You know, at church, we have been looking at what does it mean to be Pentecostal, and this morning, I'm still going to kind of look like at that, but technically, you're going to have to give me a little bit of what we call preacher's license this morning, because I want to look at a character in the Bible called Daniel, and Daniel was found in the Old Testament, and the Bible says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Now, I understand, Pastor John pointed out to me, but Daniel had an excellent spirit because of Daniel. It wasn't because of the whole spirit. I was like, I understand, but still, I believe there's principles in Daniel's life that we can really learn from, because I think that Daniel was someone who heard from God, followed God, and was led by God through his life. And I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who hears from God, follows God, and lives out what God has for me. And, uh, but Daniel's a really interesting character. To give some background, Daniel is a Jew. He's an Israelite, one of God's chosen people. But he finds himself basically in captivity. He's found himself in slavery effectively by the enemy of God's people. Because what happened in the Old Testament, much like us today, God's people would praise him and do well. Then they would mess up. Then they would win battles. Then they would lose battles. And it went back and forth and back and forth. And Daniel finds himself in captivity with the Babylonians. But Daniel isn't just anyone. It says that he was strong, healthy, and good looking. And uh, two out of three ain't bad. I'll let you decide which two I think. I'm just kidding. But but he was part of the royals of the, he was a high up in the Jews. So he was sent to the king's court for service. And there was some stuff that Daniel was basically asked to do that were contrary to what God wanted him to do to do. And it says this in 1 Daniel, it's going to come up in the screen, I'm going to read it after all, Lindsay, but it says this about Daniel. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid of my lord the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. (laughs) Yuck. Daniel said, at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who aren't eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. Side note, it's because they honoured God, it's not because they only ate vegetables and water, just to clarify. (laughs) But so after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. I'm going to flash forward now just a little bit to Daniel chapter 6, and then I'm going to pick out some things. Now, a few things have happened between Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 6. Basically, Daniel 
his friends, who Hananiah, I can't remember, Michelle and Azariah became Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They get put in the fiery furnace. They get taken out of the fiery furnace. We have no idea where Daniel is at this point. I was like, where was Daniel? Because he obviously wasn't with them. But it's most likely that he was sent on the king's service to another part of the land when this was all taking place. But now we flash forward to Daniel chapter 6, where it's now Daniel's moment where he's under a bit of pressure. Because it turns out, when you honor God... And he elevates you by making you 10 times better, not because you're brilliant, no, I'm sure you are, but because of you honor him. Turns out there's people who don't like that very much. <laughs> and actually, the Bible talks about Daniel at the start of chapter 6, how he was more faithful than everyone else. He worked harder than everyone else. He was more determined than everyone else. And that pleased, obviously, the boss, because if you're a boss in here and you've got people on your team who work hard and are faithful and are really honorable, it turns out you like them quite a bit. But that upset some people, but they tried to find some fault in Daniel, and it says the only fault we can find is in his relationship with his God. There's no other fault. And it wasn't even that he was at fault with his relationship with God, it's just this is the only area we might be able to get him. And so they devised this plan where they go to the king behind Daniel's back and say, wouldn't it be great? Has anyone ever tried to stroke your ego and say, wouldn't it be great if everyone worshipped you? (laughs) Wouldn't that be a great idea? You should build a statue to you and you should make sure everybody not the statue that was before sorry you should make it a decree that no one should worship anyone apart from you king wouldn't that be great and the king's like that's quite a good idea I like that idea I think I'll do that and the king signs this decree not statue that was Shadrach Meshach and Abednego sorry and um, and basically Daniel finds himself in chapter 6 and it says this about Daniel but when Daniel heard the law, learned the law that had been signed, worship the king and no other king, because if you don't, you're getting put in with the lions. But it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, the place that he longed for. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands as an official law of the Medes and the Persians and cannot be revoked. Then he told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives of Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. Which seems kind of dumb because surely the king can do what he wants. So at last, the king gave orders to Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Oh, little did you know. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. 
for I have been found innocent in his sight. I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, nor did the Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found in him, for he trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown in the lion's den, along with their wives and children, which seems a bit harsh, but the lions leaped on them, tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. That was quite a lot of Bible reading this morning, but the Bible is good to read. What an incredible story. But there's three things I really believe that we can learn from Daniel. And I really believe in my heart of hearts that this is a moment that, that God, it's not just a word for that I want to preach to tickle ears, but I really believe that God has laid in my heart these three principles for me, for you. And I really believe if we can do this, then just like in Daniel's days, there can be decrees across a community and across a nation that said there is one true living God and that people can come to worship him. But the first thing I note here was that Daniel was deliberate. He wasn't accidental. We first find Daniel being ordered to do that which was contrary to what God had asked him to do. He found himself in a situation where he's away from his comfort and his home. But he made a decision that I am going to be deliberate about what I put into myself. You see, for Daniel it was, I'm not going to eat these foods that God has asked me not to eat. But for us today it could be, I'm not going to go to the places where I know that God doesn't want me to be. I'm not going to speak the way that he wants me to speak. I'm not going to use the words that I know that God doesn't want me to use. And I might find myself in an environment where this isn't where I want to be. It could be a work environment. It could be a social environment. And these aren't bad things. That's not what I'm trying to say. But it could be that the culture within these places is, well, we can say what we want. We can use foul language. We can, but, but that's not what I'm called to. And it can be easy if we're not deliberate about how we're going to behave to just follow. I mean, there were other Jewish people. These weren't the, oh, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine there were more than just four. I'd imagine it was more than just Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I'd imagine there was other Jews, and they just compromised and said it's easier to just do this. But Daniel and his three buddies were like, no, no, because we're not living the way that you tell us to live, but actually I'm living for him. And I'm going, to deliberately, I'm going to be deliberate in my actions. I'm going to be deliberate in my speech. I'm going to be deliberate in how I conduct my life. Why? Because he calls me to speak life. He calls me to speak encouragement. You see, he calls me to be his light in this world. He calls me to be salt. And the Bible talks about how if the salt loses its saltiness, it's useless. And I don't want to be useless. I've been calling a lot of things. And there are some things that I'm definitely useless at. But I don't want to be someone who God looks at and thinks, well, I can't use you because you're actually, like, you've lost your saltiness. You see, the Bible talks about when those who honor God, he honors. And in this story, Daniel is elevated to a high position, not because Daniel was necessarily better than everyone else, but because when you honor him, he gives you giftings and he gives you opportunities that you could never open on your own. Why? Because when you honor him, he honors you. 
And so I don't know what it is for you, but I'm sure there's things that we can easily slip into if we're not deliberate. There's things that we can watch. There's places we can go. There's words that can come out of our mouth that if we don't, we're not careful. And it's not. And it's not. I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I'm saying it because if we're not deliberate about it, then we'll just easily be influenced by the world that we live in. It's so easy. We've all been there where it's like, oh, like sport. I love sport. I love it. When I go and watch it in the stadium and the referee is having a shocker, it's easy for me to get angry at the referee because I'm in an environment. I mean, it's easy for me to get angry at referees full stop, but, but when I'm in that environment, it's easy to, for that ooh to come out. Why? Because I'm not deliberate. I'm just getting influenced by the situation. But if I'm intentional, being like, do you know what? I don't want to be angry. Anger's not something God wants for me. I need to try and somehow pray that the referee is blessed. And sometimes it might be, God, I pray that you bless them with better eyesight or better decision making. But still, but that's, that's what I'm just being, that's for me an area where I, I have to be deliberate. Because if I'm not, I can just easily, and people are watching, whether we like it or not, they're watching us all of the time. Daniel's getting watched constantly. In fact, Daniel invites the challenge. Why don't you test us? Why don't you watch us? Why? Because Daniel was confident that if I'm deliberate about my honor of him, then I trust him. If I do my bit, he'll do his bit. And I'm confident in him, not me. I'm confident in him at work through me. So we have to be deliberate. But the second thing Daniel was, he was determined. You see, determination is such a painful and frustrating word. But Daniel has been taken into a captive land. As far as we know, he doesn't speak the language. He doesn't know the customs. That's why it says God gave them an aptitude in literature because they had to learn a lot more than everyone else. But he found himself in a place that he never wanted to be with people he never, probably didn't even like, to be honest, they were God's, the enemy of God's people, in a, in a situation that he never wanted to be in. But Daniel refused to feel sorry for himself. It would have been easy for Daniel to just think, well, God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you let this happen? Because it wasn't Daniel's fault. Like, Daniel wasn't the reason he got taken into captivity. It wasn't his fault. But Daniel was determined that I am going to do my best and I am going to work with excellence here. And I'm going to honor those who... God is placed above me, even though I don't want to be here, even though I'm in captivity, even though I'm not one of them. Why? Because by honoring them, I'm honoring him. I'm going to work hard to be the best that I can be. You see, determination is what you really need when things are difficult. It's, you don't really need much determination when life's going great. But actually, there'll be times in life where I'm just like, I need determination is what stops you from giving up. And I remember when we ran a half marathon a long time ago now, but I remember, like, turns out, I learned a lot that day. But I also learned that what goes up doesn't actually come back down. <laughs> That's what we learned, Sean. You can back me up on that. The hills just went up, and they did not go down. <laughs> they just went up and up. You went around the corner, and it went still up. Then it went down like this, and then it went up like that. And, but I remember there was one particular mile, and I think it was mile 10 out of 13, and it was like 10 or 11, and it was just uphill. <laughs> it was like you were running on a treadmill, but not going anywhere. I'm like, I'm running, but it still goes on. It never ends. And it was like an incline all the way up. Now, I'll be honest, I just wanted to sit on the floor and I was done. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's a stupid idea. But there was something in me that was like, no, I've committed to run this half marathon. I've told people I'm going to do it. And so I'm going to run and I might crawl and I might cry and I might be in pain, but I am determined that I am going to get through this mile. And somehow, what was incredible was, like it was a mindset sh- mind 
set shift in me that I was like, I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to give up. And I, was, I think at one point it was so bad that a man walking his dog overtook me because I was going that slow. Like I was that, was that much, like I was going that slow. But I was moving forward and I was moving forward and with every step and every little bit of ounce of pain in me, I was like, I am determined. I am. And you know, life can be a bit like that sometimes when it feels like I am going nowhere. Like I'm showing up, I'm being faithful, I'm being, but God, it seems like I'm stuck. It feels like I'm going nowhere. I'm in pain. Life can hit and it's like I'm in pain and I don't even understand why. I'm on this treadmill of life and I'm going nowhere is what it feels like. But I want to encourage you, don't give up. One of my favorite WWE wrestlers, I don't know why, I've not watched it for a long time, was John Cena. And he had this phrase where it just said, never give up. And it was all, and if you've never seen WWE, I know it's not fake, it's fixed. The outcome might be fixed, but it ain't fake. The injuries are real, the moves they do are real. But it was just this. But you know, John Cena, what was really incredible about him? with this never give up, as he became like the Make-A-Wish Foundation's greatest like ambassador thing, because he would meet more children. And do you know what? There are kids who were like battling cancer. And, they were, and do you know what? The more of never give up. And I just thought, how humbling would that be? I'm just a, he's just a wrestler. But that never give up was a motto that encouraged little kids who were going through stuff that you could never wish on anyone. And do you know what? The stories of how they overcame and how that really helped them. And I just thought, how much more? Can I not give up when I've got a God in heaven who is cheering me up, who is for me and is empowering me? So I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, I pray that you will make a decision. I'm going to be determined that when it's difficult, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep walking. Why? Because Daniel, no matter what he found himself and he was determined. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to learn hard. I'm going to serve hard. I'm going to honor hard. I'm going to love hard. Why? Because that's who I am. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself, whatever go through in life, some of it might be my fault, some of it might not, but I, am, I refuse to quit on what God has called me to do. So I just want to encourage you to, to keep on going. See, pain's temporary, but quitting will last forever. That's a quote from someone smarter than me. And this year, I'm aiming to do the Three Peaks Challenge, and there's already people doubting me, and I'm probably going to doubt them myself, but I am determined I'm going to do it. And I might end up hurting myself, but I'm going to do it. And Jack is coming to help me, because I might hurt myself, and without him I'd have no hope whatsoever. And, um, but I am determined I'm going to do it. Why? Because I've committed, and so I want to encourage you to never quit. But the final thing about Daniel, he's not only was he deliberate and determined, but above all, and perhaps this is the most important one in the worship team can come up. I'm not quite done yet, but he was devoted. You see, to be devoted to something means to give my all. It means when it's good, I'm in. When it's not so good, I'm in. And to give my all means that I've given it everything that I've got. Recently, Gary and I were in London and We've done a lot of things in London, and London's a great place. It's probably my favorite city in the world, mainly because I've not been to that many cities in the world. But if you've ever been to London, you may have heard of this place, or even if you haven't, called St. Paul's Cathedral. And uh, it's pretty cool. We went to the top, which was hard work. And, um, but I, I've been twice to St. Paul's Cathedral, and I really love it. And my favorite part is the crypt, not because it's weird, but the crypt, if you don't know what it is, it's where there's like tombs or there's kind of like honorary things for people from history of die. But one of my favorite parts of it in the crypt, there's a section dedicated to Horatio Nelson. And Horatio Nelson, if you don't know who he is, he was a leader of the British Army and he won the Battle of Trafalgar. 
and the back, like, so there's Trafalgar Square and there's Nelson's Column, but on his tomb there's like a little journal entry at his tomb, and it's my favourite part, because this is what it says. It says this, in full view of the enemy. It says, he wrote this, may the great God whom I worship grant to my country and for the benefit of Europe in general a great and glorious victory. And may no misconduct in anyone tarnish it. And may humanity after victory be the predominant feature in the British fleet. And this is the bit that really, really I love. For myself individually, I commit my life to him that made me. And may his blessing alight on my endeavours for serving my country faithfully. To him I resign myself. And the just cause which is entrusted to me to defend Amen. But I love it when he says, for myself individually, I commit my life to the one who made me. And I was thinking about this this morning and I really, really do believe God laid in my heart that God is moving in our planet. He is moving across the world. I mean, if you, don't, if you can't see it, I need you to open your eyes because it's clear that God is doing something. And I was thinking about this this morning and I just really feel a sense in the worship team are going to sing a song in a moment I've asked them to sing and I just believe that Horatio Nelson wrote to him I resign myself in the just cause which he entrusted me to defend. His was a literal physical battle against the enemy but we are in a battle for our nation. We're in a battle for our kids. We're in a battle for our families. We're in a battle for our towns, for our communities. We're in a battle for our neighbors. And just like Daniel, he was in full view of the enemy. And yet Daniel devoted himself to his God. You see, when I'm devoted to my God, it doesn't matter what the enemy comes at me with. Because my God will always make a way. You see, they thought they'd won by getting Daniel put in the lion's den. And sometimes your devotion and my devotion might take me into a lion's den. It might take me into situations where I have to walk through a fiery furnace. It might take a situation where I feel like, I'm, God, if I'm going to be devoted to you, there's going to be times in my life where I'm like, I, I don't really, God, you're all I've got. If you don't show up here, I could literally die. And I'm not saying this to ski, but it's like it literally could cost me everything. If you don't show up, God, it's done. But the beauty of Daniel's devotion to him, when we're devoted to him, he's devoted to us. You see, the only way to come out of a lion's den is to go into a lion's den. And the same thing that the enemy came at him with was the same thing that God used to take out the enemy. But that wasn't enough. Because what I love about Daniel is the end of the story is the entire nation the entire planet of that type, the king makes it to the degree there's only going to worship one God. Why? Because one man, one person, was devoted to him. And because of that, an entire nation glorified and worshipped the name of Jesus. And I was thinking about me. And I was thinking about the book of Acts and how the Bible says that they devoted themselves. I cannot get you to be devoted I can't do it just like you cannot get me to be devoted it has to be a choice that I make for me 
and I'm going to be real. Church life can be really, really busy. I mean, I, I, I mean, I could think back to times, there are often still times where there's like five to seven nights of the week where I could have church stuff on. And I'm not saying that's healthy. I'm not saying that's what you have to do. But there are times in my life when I've been like, do you know what, God, I don't want to do this. I've argued with God. I've argued with Pastor Jim. Like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy for this. I don't want to go to another thing where we have to, I just don't want to do it. And I'm saying this, this has been as recent as within the last year, to be honest, probably even six months. But then I hear stories of people in the history of our, our church, but also just the church. And it was like, they, they gave everything. <laughs> they came to church seven nights a week. They opened their house. They'd they, 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 they done everything. <laughs> they were like, God, we're devoted to you. And if devotion means I'm giving it all, then God, I'm giving it all. And that doesn't mean you have to come to church 24-7. That's not what I'm saying. But it means that, God, if, if this is what it costs to be devoted to you, if it means that I have to be busy, then how? I mean, Jesus, you went to a cross and died for me. How could I, how could I complain about having to be busy for you? What, a, what an honor and how arrogant am I to think that I could be too busy for God? And I've been on this journey where I just think it awoke something in me to be like, do you know what, God? I, I'm sorry for the times I've not been devoted. I'm sorry for the times when I've held back or I've just not committed fully to you. And the, the, the longer I go on with Jesus, the more I realize, the more I'm devoted to him, the more time I end up with somehow. The more I give to him, the more he gives me back. And I'm on this journey where I really, I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I'm on this journey where I'm like, do you know what, God? See if I never get to do any of the, the fun stuff I enjoy, like preaching or like dealing with people. But I'm still devoted to you then I'm okay with that. Why? Because I firmly believe that as I'm devoted to him, then he can use me. If he can use Daniel to save a nation, how can he not use me? How can he not use you? Now imagine how much quicker he could get it done if we were all devoted. And so I was reminded of this song and we're going to sing it and then I'm going to ask and invite you to respond. But it's an old song that it just says, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. You know, there's so many things that can occupy our minds and stop us from being devoted, and they're not bad things. It could be work, family, studies, it could be worries, it could be sport, it could be video games, I don't know what it is that can prevent us from being fully devoted to him. But one thing I know for sure is that when we are fully devoted to him, all the things that we were anxious about, we can leave in his hands because he cares for us. And so my invitation for us this morning, is as people, is that if we want to be Pentecostal, if we, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? What does it mean to have God moved? And I believe it means we have to be deliberate. We have to be determined. But above all, we have to be devoted and say, God, I give everything to you. Take my heart, take my soul, take everything, and Lord, have you away. Let me live for you and you alone. And so we're going to sing this song and then I'm going to pray for us. And I just pray that this song will not only minister to you, but I believe that God wants to stir something in us to say, God, I'm, I'm giving you my heart. And it's not about 
given your life to Jesus, but for some of us it could just be, do you know what, God, I've, I've given my life to you, but I've never actually given my life to you. There's times, and a preacher said that once, it was like, I didn't just give my life to Jesus, as in I put my faith in him and my trust in him, but God, I opened myself up to say, God, whatever you want to do in me, do it for your glory, in order that people may be added to your kingdom. So let's just worship our amazing God this morning, and then we'll close.